You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. Capitalism is facing three major crises at the moment, a pandemic-induced health crisis, which has rapidly ignited an economic crisis with yet unknown consequences for financial stability, and all of this playing out against the backdrop of a climate crisis that cannot be addressed under the rubric of business as usual. And it may be hard to cast your mind back, but uh, in January of last year, the news media was full of uh, frightening images of overwhelmed firefighters in Australia and flood workers in Venice, uh, not overwhelmed healthcare providers all over the world. Indeed, uh, a 2020 outlook published in The Economist had not one word on COVID-19. Now, critically, the health crisis, the climate crisis and the economic crisis must be viewed together. Otherwise, we simply be solving problems in one place while creating others elsewhere. And I spent uh, the holidays engrossed in Pulitzer Prize winning author and global energy expert Daniel Jurgen's new book entitled The New Map. And if you follow geopolitics and energy and, and which business leader in South Africa doesn't wonder about the future with ESCOM never far from the headlines, then this offers a revelatory new account of how energy revolutions, climate battles and geopolitics are mapping our future. So as we move along the path to a zero carbon future, what does this mean for the local energy sector? To discuss this, I'm joined by Cameron Tandy, Managing Director for Accenture Resources in Africa. Cameron, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Michael. Good to be with you. Uh, Firstly, just tell us a little bit more about uh, yourself and your journey within Accenture and the innovation space. No, thanks very much, Michael. I'm a, I'm a 22-year veteran of Accenture uh, based out of Johannesburg in South Africa. And for the last uh, three or four years, I've been running our natural resources business, which uh, encompasses our energy, our energy clients, our chemicals clients, our mining clients and utilities sector uh, for Accenture's Africa region which is a pretty broad portfolio, and all of those at this intersection of net carbon zero, of uh, issues around zero waste when it comes to chemicals and plastics uh, and how energy systems are going to decarbonize. Now, the Paris Agreement, which set the goal of keeping global average temperatures uh, to less than a 2% increase above pre-industrial levels, that's two, 2 degrees Celsius, I should say, by 2050, has provided this roadmap for countries and industries looking to combat climate change and really adapt to its effects. At the heart of the response lie ambitious programs to quickly curtail emissions of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. And it really is, as we build into Glasgow, the big theme in the market at the moment. Uh, What would you say is the greatest challenge that leaders are facing in reaching this goal by 2050? I mean, personally, I feel that decarbonizing our energy and migrating uh, away from climate change or climate catastrophe, frankly, is the greatest challenge to ever face humanity. Um, You know, I think if you localize it from a South African perspective, of course, our local challenges of poverty, of unemployment, of inequality, you know, one might be tempted in your intro, as you did, to separate the solutions to these problems, whereas I think that the, the overlap between these uh, is probably far greater than what we think. Uh, you know, if you look at the Paris Agreement of which we, we have signed up, we only contribute about a, a single percent or just more than a percent of uh, carbon emissions, uh, you know, far behind the likes of China at 30 percent and the U.S. at 14 percent. But yet we are the, the 14th biggest polluter of the planet. And, of course, in South Africa, that comes to, as you rightly said, conversations around ESCOM, which is, 
probably 42% odd of the contribution to our CO2 emissions. And then, not far behind, but in second place, uh, Sassol at 11% with their carbon to liquids technologies. But besides all of that, I'm, I'm extremely excited. Uh, you know, as I said, I'm uh, 22 years with Accenture. I've never seen the pace of, of innovation and ingenuity that I'm seeing now. And frankly, the exciting announcements that are coming out in the press weekly that organizations, businesses and governments are taking to tackle the problem. And that is the big question now, is, is how can the industry, how can business leaders accelerate and lead an orderly decarbonization transition to 2050 and beyond? Because the, the emphasis here is on transition. South Africa can't up and tomorrow turn off all of our old um, fossil fuel-based coal-fired power stations in the midst of this energy crunch that we're in. But we have to be thinking strategically about how we do this and decarbonize as quickly as possible. Uh, absolutely. I mean, we, we like to think of it quite simply as the combination of action and ambition. And by action, I mean, you know, each and every one of our heavy resources industries needs to be focused on, on three key things right now. Firstly, it's about cleansing the core of their business, which is reducing, eliminating emissions in your existing asset base. Coupled with that, and at the same time, they need to be accelerating the transition, i.e. shifting to commercially and technically scalable lower emission sources. That can be new fuel blends, it can be completely new energy sources, and also at the same time, extending the frontier. And by extending the frontier, what we mean is reducing or eliminating emissions by deploying processes and energy sources that are not yet commercially or technically viable. You know, if you go very far out, you can say maybe nuclear fusion is going to come and solve the problem for us uh, with a silver bullet. Um, I read a fascinating uh, article last week on some progress in nuclear fusion, which was uh, a bit above my, uh, my level of understanding. <laughs> but there's also, there's also some, some really interesting stuff happening. Um, you know, there's a company called 1414 Degrees in Australia, and these guys are looking at thermal energy storage systems using silicon. And the 1414 comes from the high melting point of silicon at 1,414 degrees centigrade. And then they store all that energy, the renewable energy, because, of course, the challenge of renewables is, is storage and then getting that consistent power base. And then they take that stored energy and they transfer that back into air, uh, heated air to drive turbines. So, you know, clean the core, accelerate the transition and extend the frontiers, the actions that need to be taken now. And then from an ambition standpoint, it's really about what is the business that they want to be running uh, tomorrow? Right? And that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's what we pay boards and CEOs to, to envisage. Am I going to become the decarbonization specialist? I'm going to double down on operating cleanest, highest margin assets. Or am I going to become a complete turnaround in my, in my strategy and exit oil and gas altogether and become the leader in a particular clean technology, be that wind, mm. be that solar, etc.? I think we saw that play out in stark um, uh, reality last week with Exxon, didn't we? We saw that uh, hedge fund outplaying Exxon comprehensively, <coughs> getting on the board and compelling it to change. So corporates that are not confronting this new reality are, are going to have it sort of thrust upon them by uh, newbie hedge funds or activist investors who are all demanding that uh, businesses do head in this particular direction. When it comes to South Africa's outlook in reaching these goals by 2050, I had Barbara Creasy, uh, Minister Creasy on the show a couple of months ago saying that we have committed to this, this is our national goal. What is our outlook in actually reaching that goal by 2050? Well, 
you know, without being pessimistic too much, uh, you know, our, our outlook says that uh, we've, we've got very little chance of achieving um, the, the Paris ambitions. However, we do see that with, uh, with these, these concerted actions that I've just articulated, we can see South Africa getting to 70 to 80 percent of our targets, which is certainly a contribution, uh, uh, you know, in line with us being a, you know, a good global citizen and, uh, and meeting our agreements. And, you know, there's a couple of fantastic examples that we've seen quite recently taking place in South Africa that we can jump into. Uh, what are some of those? I mean, let's just reflect on, on the, the state of decarbonisation in the country. Are there local companies really standing out here as leaders, proactively working towards reaching this goal? Well, locally, you have to start the conversation with Eskom, of course, right? So, uh, you know, just last month, uh, they finally uh, released the expression of interest for what to do with the decommissioned power stations and how to repurpose those towards green energy. So that's looking at Kamati, it's looking at Khrutfle, it's looking at Camden, the power stations that have reached their, their 50-year uh, lifespan. And they're looking at, they're looking at the, the private enterprise to come with commercially, technically scalable ideas uh, to turn Eskom into a green uh, power supplier. You know, we've, of course, got the integrated resource plan, which, um, you know, doesn't indicate a complete shift away from renewables. But you're going to see over the next uh, nine years or so a reduction from 70% of coal's contribution to our power down to 44%, right? Or a net 13% reduction of coal contribution. So some exciting actions being taken by mm-hmm. Eskom. I, I think on the innovation standpoint, I think SAS was another great one to look at. Um, they just recently announced their partnership with Toyota around uh, what they call their green hydrogen mobility partnership. And that's working with Toyota as a leader in fuel cell, in hydrogen fuel cell vehicles, and Sassel, which is uh, certainly a leader in a gray, uh, gray hydrogen, which is hydrogen produced from natural gas, but with still emissions into the atmosphere. Yeah. And Sassel's ability to pivot from gray hydrogen to green hydrogen from renewable sources. And the partnership with Sassel around building a mobility corridor, uh, for example, along the N3 for hydrogen-powered trucks. Um, you know, Anglo-American, while you're talking about hydrogen-powered long-haul trucks, Anglo-American uh, also doing fantastic work in partnership with NG and others. Um, you know, they're busy developing out their hydrogen fuel cell haul truck at the Mohalaguena Platinum Mine. And that's a 300-ton haul truck that's able to be powered by hydrogen. And in tandem with that, you know, uh, with the, the NG angle, looking at 320 megawatts of uh, photovoltaic power, solar power to power that haul truck. So, you know, effectively taking that whole uh, platinum haulage system and transferring it to green. And, and mm. you know, the lessons and technologies that, uh, that are developed there can certainly go into other sectors in due course. It just shows you how much is actually being developed. I was going to say, very exciting to see our big corporates, our blue chips standing up and leading the way here. And hopefully, as you say, that technology, the first movers, develop the proof of concept and then slowly but surely it gains commercial traction. And just over the weekend, a very interesting story out of Germany. Speaking of hydrogen, 62 German hydrogen projects are going to receive part of an 8 billion euro 
um, fund, which is part of the uh, the important projects of common European interest. And our very own Tobias Bischoff-Nimps of Inertrag uh, has got two projects in that. And so the world is moving in this particular direction. Just as we um ending our time, Cameron, uh, what are some of the, the, the power plays that companies can focus on now uh, to ensure that they are part of the solution. Uh, maybe they're not as big or well-resourced uh, as some of the examples you've just mentioned, but what should uh, corporate leaders be focused on now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the first and most obvious one that comes to mind, perhaps a little off topic, though, is um, uh, getting back onto South Africa, is the relationship between platinum and hydrogen and the fact that we sit on 70% or, or more of the world's platinum reserves and we certainly have a very sunny country I'm extremely excited about the unique role that South Africa can play in merging you know, the, uh, the, the downstream platinum business of uh, catalytic converters and the hydrogen fuel cells together with the sunshine to produce the hydrogen. So I think that you know, the combination of the sunshine we have, the land that we have, and the platinum that we're endowed with, bringing those all together... Um, you know, I, I read just recently that, uh, you know, hydrogen economy could be a $10 billion a year economy for South Africa and even a $100 billion annually if we look at the export business. So I think, you know, certainly, you know, it creates a, a, quite a bright future for us in terms of, of, of mining coming together with energy. And, and producing that green future that we're striving towards. I love that. Uh, I love that vision for the future that we are starting to see emerge because I think far too often, Cameron, we can get uh, bogged down in the here and now, the navel-gazing of yet another round <laughs> of load-shedding. But we need to Absolutely. lift our heads up to the horizon and say there are unique competitive advantages that we have in South Africa. We need to now take advantage of them. Absolutely. That was Cameron Tandy, Managing Director for Accenture Resources in Africa, talking about energy decarbonisation and really how we map a bold new direction for our oil and gas leaders.